Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Overfor mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skide af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 2017 In second place, we had. I'm inspired by Rocky Balboa. One of my best meetings, I thought, um, was with um, Dortmund before we played a game against Bayern Munich, and I spoke about Rocky for Ivan Drago. So of course, Bayern was Ivan Drago, having everything, mm. all technology, and yeah. we, we are Rocky Balboa <laughs> with all these old-fashioned uh, tools and, and 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 stuff like that. And after three, four minutes, I was really on fire, <laughs> and I, I see I look really in dead eyes, and I said, "Okay, stop." Who knows Rocky? <laughs> And only two players showed up. That's okay. Well, you, you, we have to start again. And the bronze medal position goes to this guy. For me, David Gea is the best because I think he has something that comes from God. God chose him in the goal and God chose Messi on the pitch. You cannot train what he did against Kun Aguero when he had the ball two meters from him and he put the hand out, you cannot train it. So, he has some special abilities that I think he hasn't trained them. You just have to. Hello, my name is Neil White and this is the big interview at the World Cup. On the other end of the line from Krasnodar in Russia, the base of the Spanish national team, Graham Hunter is with us. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm important, but I... I don't see myself, and I don't think the socials see me as the base of the Spanish team. I, I accept, I accept in a kind of Bob Servant way, that without my burgers and my cheeky northeast wit, there's no way La Roja would be candidates, but I, I, listen, I just think you've gone too far. You're not about to take Busquets' jersey? No, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm no thief. I'm no sneak thief. I, I, don't, know what, I don't know what kind of mood you've started in today, but it's very, very quixotic and odd. Coming up in this episode, we're going to take a closer look at the two big personalities at the heart of Spain's defence. First, though, we're a little over 48 hours away from Spain's second game in Group B against Iran. Graham, what news from the camp ahead of that one? Well, not 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 a great deal um, because in terms of well, in terms of the hurricane of breaking news uh, last week, it's been relatively calm. The, the things I can do to help paint the picture is that. You know, uh, it was interesting to see that the the players last night looked um, very relaxed and full of beans, um, full of joie de vivre after their nearly 30 hours off. They've been off from Saturday lunchtime when they finished their media duties. And, and that kind of meant that they could, you know, I, I don't know yet what they all did, but you'll remember that in Nuino in, in Poland when they won 2012, 
um, Sesk in his free time nicked off to have uh, dinner with his grandparents and Gerard Piquet nicked off to be with Shakira and blah, 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 blah. So the players were kind of totally free should they want to go to downtown Krasnodar and I don't know, sing karaoke, um, go to a shotgun range, which uh, more of which later. In fact, more of both of which later. Um, but what really did stand out on what was a lovely, uh, damp and cooler evening last night in at the Krasnodar Training Centre um, was the zip and the, and the fun and the, the noise and, and the way in which, listen, little details like, you know, were people all around De Gea sort of as normal? Yes, they were. And when he played in the Rondo, um, he, he was playing as if he was an outfield player and his touch looked perfect and his confidence looked brilliant and his spirits looked brilliant as they did before that unfortunate incident against Portugal. Um, Carvajal trained again with just as much animo, um, just as much oomph as in as in the previous days. So the competition for that right back place is augmenting. Pepe Reina walked out to train, and then opted himself to to not um, train fully with the rest because he had a little bit of groin pain. I, I think it's precautionary. Um, I don't really think that counts as hot news. And today, again, we're learning about Fernando Hierro as coach. Today, he's given them individual work in, in stretching or gym work or swimming in the morning and nighttime training is, is closed, which means it's a strategic thing. And I suppose maybe the hot gossip from the training ground is that um, while the team were having time off, some of the um, security staff, some of the sponsors, some of the um, local Russian security staff, plus the new director of football for Spain, had a bounce game of 70 minutes, 10 aside on the pitch that Spain are, are moving to in this vast complex uh, because their pitch up until now is, has taken a little bit of a chopping. The corner part looks a little bit brown as if there's a tiny wee bit of fungus there. And in this bounce game, which was 3-2 uh, to the side that uh, the new director of football was playing on, the, and the kitmen, Spain kitmen, played and played well, I'm told. There were, you know, I didn't know this, but amongst the staff, um, both security and, and administrative staff for Spain, there are a couple of players who played either Segunda in, in Spain or Serie B in Italy. So it was a blooming high standard game, but during which, unfortunately, one of the participants did his cruciate ligaments. And oh, no. Yeah, 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 not, not good. Um, but a great time was had by all. And a winning start Apart for from that guy. A winning start for Carlos Marchena at the at the World Cup as new director of football. Um, Sevilla born, Valencia legend. I think I can use that word. Uh, World Cup winner and Euro two thousand and eight starting centre back. What about the man whose job Carlos Marchena um, inherits? This is going to be a different kind of challenge. Let's assume a far less open opponent than Spain faced in game one. Is there a chance Iero makes some changes as a result of that? I guess you're talking about Iran, Carlos Queiroz is Iran. Um, I think those who suffered him as the Portugal coach understand what kind of mentality I Iran have got. There's a lesser talent group there, so I guess it's kind of understandable the way in which Queiroz has got them playing. I think they they won and scored without a single shot. Was it a single shot on target or a single shot in the second half on target? Um, obviously, the point you're making is that... Um, Given the level of their performance, there won't be many changes in the Spain side. 
the argument about does Nacho stay or Carvajal replace him isn't only to do with Carvajal being the number one right back, which is a fact. It's to do with, if you take away both, um, his minor error, and I think it's a very minor error given that I wouldn't have called penalty, and you take away his brilliant goal. Nacho's performance was absolutely fantastic. Now, I've covered that before, so I won't rant on about it again. But he's done enough to say to a coach, if there's any question whatsoever about how soon to bring Danny Carvajal back, it's perfectly feasible that Nacho starts this um, Iran game without anybody saying, well, you, you have to go to the number one choice right back. So that is a debate that's yet to be sorted. I think it'll take shape in a closed session tonight that if Carvajal is massively better than Nacho, then fine, maybe he starts. My inkling, my guess, is that it's one more chance for Nacho against Iran, I think. And although Carvajal is, is tremendous bursting forward, and his crossing into the box is very, very good. Something from which Costa can benefit. Nacho was a really good, apart from making five tackles in the game, um, the most of anybody, he's, he was really nifty up front, um, beating his full back, playing one-twos. He's, he's a good footballer. But I think your target was somewhere else. Um, Koke's work rate to support uh, Thiago and Iniesta um, athletically, physically, in terms of positionally. I'm giving them room to 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 try and go forward, covering them. Um, his own ability to pass the ball regularly, accurately. I thought that he had a, at least a seven and a half out of ten game. Yeah, when Thiago came on, there were touches. Um, it's clear that Thiago is a guy who scores more regularly from midfield. He's a guy who would be designated as a slightly more creative midfielder than Koki. So there's that possibility, given that I, I don't think the front three change. Um, I don't think Iniesta or Busquets change. Then maybe Yero will say, well, we'll go front foot from the start. We'll risk the fact that Thiago will, because he tries things more, just like the, the guy who gives the ball away most in Spanish football is Leo Messi, but you find very little room to criticise him for it. There's a, there's a chance that Yero says, OK, that's my kind of player. Thiago was, you know, I was a, a, a Thiago in my way, um, when, certainly when he played in centre midfield as opposed to centre back. There's a possibility that that's his option. Again, I'm not wholly convinced. Thiago has looked sharp in training and has banged the ball in a lot. I, I would have to say that there have been several sessions we've seen when various different types of finishing from my ex-neighbour, um, who I balled out um, some... 13 years ago, probably um, in about a month's time. He, he's he got a shout. I agree with you. I, I don't know that he'll start, but you'd imagine that if he doesn't start, then Thiago is one of the early changes um, in looking at pace of play, risks taken, magical technique, which he does have. He's a very, very good creative footballer. You've mentioned before, um, for example, Asensio's ability to shoot from distance, and that's the sort of thing that might come into play if, if their opponents get get a little stubborn. What Asensio's got is is tremendous dribbling skills. Anybody who wants to learn about him now and you know hasn't before needs to go back to last season's Champions League, was it quarter or semi-final when it was Bayern Munich? And when Bayern Munich, having lost the first game, um, are... are dominantly on top at the Bernabeu and it goes to extra time. There's a goal from Asensio, which isn't quite at the level of Leo Messi's 2011 semi-final goal at the Bernabeu, but it's pretty damn close. And 
you know, he scores in the Champions League final. He scores against Sevilla in the European Super Cup final. There are a number of the beautiful goal in the Spanish Super Cup final at the Bernabeu um, last season. Well, just short of a year ago, last August. These are amongst the highlights, and, and there are a good handful more, where we've seen that not only does he possess brilliant shooting power from distance, off his left foot principally, uh, and the ability to dribble, but he's got a taste for the big time. And I said to you at the green screen filming, when each player had to give a pronunciation age aid for, because the commentators come from all over the world. So, you know, if, we, if you're Spanish or if you're Portuguese or if you're, even if you're English and you've, you've heard a lot of Spanish, well, saying the word Marco Asensio isn't difficult. But I guess if you come from South Korea or if you come from Japan with the rights holders to commentate, hearing a simple name like that to us pronounced is a, is a guide, is an aid. So each player in every squad has to stand, look at the camera, hold up a piece of paper with their name written on it and pronounce their own name. I mean, you know, the, like I, I mentioned, when uh, Aspas was standing forward, somebody from the sidelines um, shouted, Soy Diego Ar- Armando Maradona. And, and Aspas didn't actually demur. And um, eventually when Asensio came up, Soy Marco Asensio y no hay nadie como yo. I'm Marco Asensio and there's nobody like me. So that thing about there's nobody like me is backed up by his talent. And okay, right now he's a bench player, but, you know, at this stage in... Andres Iniesta's career, he wasn't even a bench player for um, Barcelona, or he was just. Um, so Asensio is more than just what I've described as somebody who can add a different element shooting from distance. That taste for the big time is something I do expect to see coming forward. And therefore, the competition for coming off the bench is huge. If, the, if there was a spare camera, like a, a subcam, then watching the, tr- the warming up would be fascinating because, you know... Let's say Nacho starts. The fight then is between, you know, Thiago, Carvajal, Lucas, Aspas and Asensio, sorry, Saul, in order to be first on or, or in, in the first three, the only three. So it's, you call it deep bench and I think that's, that's a good shout, deep bench. The reaction to Spain's performance against Portugal, maybe more so than any of the top seeds, I'm speaking ahead of England's opener this evening, has been really positive here in the UK. What's the mood of the Spanish media corps where you are in Krasnodar? I think there's a, a, a relaxation that there was no hint, despite the background to the game, of the way in which either Brazil, you know, went tin pot from halftime onwards, just before halftime, um, because, you know, the Holland game had looked perfectly acceptable, but the instant that, I think it was Van Persie score, wasn't it, from, was it from Blint's cross? I think it was from Blint's cross. And that diving header changed everything, and, and, and Spain kind of lost the place completely. Um, and and we listen, I'd, I've made the point before in the podcast, I do remember that much, that I don't need to go on and on about it, but the training showed us that something was not right, and that it would take um, somebody doing something astonishing to make Spain ultra competitive in Brazil, and in in Euro twenty twelve in training, we could see that there was um, attention to detail. There was no slacking, but there wasn't the. I keep using the word Spanish chispa. Um, there wasn't a spark. There wasn't a fire. It it didn't look right, and very quickly, um, in terms of I think the the defeat was the Croatia game. Um, there there was a feeling that Spain looked flat, that, that not everybody had brought their A game. And therefore, the reaction in the Spanish press has been not just pride in the quality of the performance, but has been, and I said to you before, 
the Ronaldo factor, given that he's a Real Madrid player, has been a very high part of the Spain analysis of, of their own team's performance because Ronaldo is one of the, t- the two dominant figures in Spanish football, neither of who are Spanish. And therefore, um, there is a relaxation that the combination of what they've seen in the Spanish media, i.e. the brilliance of about 75% of the performance against Portugal and the evidence of training, which is that, uh, again, I'll, I'll use this phrase, it's a self-cleaning oven, that the Spain team know why they're here. They know how they got here. There's a proper degree of unity and intensity. They're here with a purpose. And I think that all of them know that they're candidates. I don't think there's a single Spain player who thinks, yeah, we're winners, outright winners. But I do think that they all believe that if things go their way and if the right players perform, um, that they that they can win it. That's my perception of what their belief is. And therefore, um, the Spanish press has caught hold of that. And I think that there's very little that's outright critical. There have been articles disputing the degree to which the players did or didn't want um, Lopetegui to stay at all costs. At some stage, there will be a, a um, what do you call it when you cut open a, 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 an autopsy on on Rubiales's decision-making rather than just his decision. But that aside, there's, a, there's an understanding that this team, if they skip the next hurdle, if they, if they beat Iran then there will be momentum, there will be confidence, there will be a deeper bench even than the 11 plus 3 or 4 than we've talked about. There are, there are, you know, easily, you would say, six or seven players who could instantly feature in this team and look good, look important, look comfortable. And therefore, right now, uh, there's, there's a widespread sense of enjoyment. I genuinely think that the Spanish media corps are largely quite enjoying this tournament. Okay, let's take a quick break. Next up, we're going to focus on Gerard Piquet and Sergio Ramos. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skidesretter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 
Fun fact, they have conceded the same number of goals in one World Cup match as they did in the entirety of World Cup 2010 and Euro 2012 combined. Well, let's go first to Mr. S. And he's talked about um, the relationship. And um, the first thing I want to do, and I hope I've done this often enough before, is I don't want to appear some clever clogs. Um, There are many in the media who will tell you it is just like this. This is it. Now, what I can tell you is some truths, because I know each of them individually. Um, we've, we've been able to have some laughs off camera, away from the, the, the public eye. Uh, they both treat me with friendship and respect. Um, I, I, I can watch them. I have to be careful, because I, I'm given a very privileged seat on, on the plane or whatever. But what I can tell you is that they are as different away from the training pitch together as, as they would seem to you um, Sergio Ramos clearly thrives on being captain, loves it um, it's not like he holds court but there are um, there are people in any squad, in any team and it's true of this one that are drawn to charisma drawn to uh, leaders, drawn to power drawn to people who always put themselves on the line and I understand that fully. I like that. I like people. Each of them, you know, has, has won a chunk of my um, sort of professional affection. Uh, and I like winners. I like committed people. I like hard, hard people who are good at their job but hard too. I don't. I don't like people who are surround or waste their talent or um, or aren't willing to, willing to commit to really, you know, hard work or tough decisions. And each of these guys does special things. I think each of them is undervalued. Like, for example, when it comes around to um, critical assessment or Ballon d'Or voting, um, I think each of them in his ways is is extremely special. You know, whether all time or just modern age, I genuinely think each of them is extremely special. And because they have to stand comparison um, with Iniesta and Xavi and Villa, it may be that they only appear to be um, buttercups instead of you know blooming roses. But um, the smell is good and it's nice in the garden. The, the the thing I would say about Sergio Ramos is that the character you watch on the pitch is the same as you see um, um, in the in the dressing room on the on the bus on the plane. Um, around the training pitch too. You know, he is uh, full of noise, humour, leadership. He, he, he imposes his personality on almost every situation. And you see him doing some stuff on the training pitch, which is unbelievable. I mean, this may be, Martin and, and the rest of the socios who want to know about them, this may be eminently obvious to you over and above um, his power and athleticism and his will to win, but flipping heck, he's an extraordinary, he's got extraordinary gifts for a defender. He's technically very, very good. And he does tricks on the training pitch, which would, you know, would make you argue that he could easily play it inside forward. Um, Particularly now, Gerard is a slightly different um, kettle of fish. He will often um, choose to um, sit on his own, keep his own company, in general, um, very music-oriented. Uh, my headphones almost always on. 
very often, in my opinion, with his mind on the type of things that occupy his bright, bright brain, you know, because this is a very, very smart and self-confident man with a business empire, which includes having effectively bought out the Davis Cup to make it a World Cup of tennis. Um, other things like esports that Cesc and, and Leo Messi and he are, are partners in. Um, a guy who I think believes that whatever he can, he wants to turn his hand to, he can do. And he needs that rather than in the majority of sports persons' um, cases, rather than that being a distraction to him. That's the kind of thing that's allowed him to stay focused on football. Because if we'd asked him to be only a successful footballer, he'd have got as bored as he predicted he was going to get when he gave interviews, several interviews, aged about 25, 26, saying, well, I'll be out of this game, age 30. Now, he's announced that this is his last World Cup, and I think that's healthy because it's yet another indication of Gerard Piquet taking control of his own destiny, saying, um, I know what I want to do and I'm going to do it. And that's what he consistently does. So... Have I got a great reveal about they're actually gigantic buddies behind the scene. Um, they sit together. They're always laughing and joking, playing cards and, you know, um, you know, sharing a pack of Smarties. Well, no. But I think there was a misapprehension that there was nothing. There, In fact, I don't think there was a misapprehension that there was nothing but antipathy with them, between them. Um, from I was at the... Damned if I can remember where it was. I think it might have been in Salamanca after the World Cup was won and the, the Spain team was on tour a little bit and there was a question came for PK saying, please will you answer in Catalan? He did. And then the next question was to Ramos and he was like, right, so you'll be asking me to um, answer in Andalus now, will you? And people took that as a, as, a, as a slap aside for PK from Ramos when in fact it was like Ramos saying like, to the journalist, don't don't be asking things like that when you're in a Spain press conference. Now, I don't care who was right or wrong there, but it was interpreted as being ultra tension between the two players. And I don't think that's the case. You said about them working together on the pitch. Well, first of all, it cannot be overplayed the degree to which they are both brutally competitive. Now, people might take that for granted um, because in order to be an elite sports person or football player in this instance, the things you need to sacrifice, the things you need to put up with, the, the um, stamina you have to have mentally and physically, the degree to which you have to look after your your diet or your behaviour or your attitude and you have to learn, and you have to change, you have to compete with teammates, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. That already makes them special. But I've I've seen grades of of competitiveness. And Piquet and Ramos have that in such abundance and such ferocity that when you match that with the talents, it would actually be a surprise to me if they didn't get on. And if they then, for <laughs> in their club sides, given who they play for. It's a really beautiful picture. It would have been really horrible if, um, if Ramos was, you know, overplaying for um, Chelsea and, and Piquet was in Milan and, you know, the paths never crossed domestically. I've loved watching each of them trying to influence classicos. And for their country, given that they're they're determined to win, neither of them is determined to be the individual star. 
Ramos might occasionally look like that, but that is about leadership. That is about his hunger to win, to, to, to lift trophy after trophy for his country. And therefore, the blend and the fact that they work so well together is, is much less surprising than it might have appeared, particularly at that period during the, the post-2010 era that merged into the classical wars when Mourinho reached uh, Real Madrid. I, um, I really like the way that Ramos stands up for teammates, um, is vocal, is, is aggressive within the bounds of what I call acceptable. But I also respect Gerard Piquet and I watch the other players respecting his space. Um, they don't need to have him hugging and kissing them. He's funny. He definitely has strong friendships within the group. Like, for example, when it's really strange to say that from the moment that Diego Costa um, presaged his joining of the Spain squad in a in a, Cup, a Copa del Rey Clasico, when he was tugging and, and spitting at Ramos, and then about 10 days later, I saw them bosom buddies training for Spain at Atleti's Calderon Stadium. I think you might even have been there, Neil. Or maybe, maybe Martin was, but that sort of odd couple thing has stayed. And Pique has, has friendships around the squad, which, and also Busquets and Costa, again, who could barely be more disparate in, in, in either background or football terms, are, are prone to sticking together and laughing and joking. Pique and Nacho is another partnership where they're, they're really chummy. And therefore, there are little surprises right around this squad about who finds which other person's company uh, gracioso, funny, enjoyable. And right now we're at a stage where it's positive that the relationship between Arbeloa and Piquet could, could not have gone to a further polemic. The relationship between Xabi Alonso and some of Barca's Catalans wasn't fantastic by the end. That doesn't exist in this squad. And, and Piquet and Ramos are, when you watch them close up, it's a lot simpler to understand why they function on the pitch. And they both function in a particular way that probably comes a result, as a result of them playing in dominant club teams. Uh, Piquet loves to burst a, an opposition midfield if, if they're sitting deep. You know, he'll, he'll stride beyond his defensive lines and try and start something. And Ramos, as everybody knows has got a goal-scoring record that uh, would be competitive amongst most midfielders. You've said that he's been rattling them in from distance in training. Do you expect him to break his tournament duck and score in Russia? I actually do. Uh, I mean, I think I'd say it more widely than that. He's, uh, he's never been sent off for Spain. Um, he, he tends to be a different kind of player for the international side than for the uh, for Real Madrid and therefore I think he's got something in him um, I hope it's good not bad you know that against Honduras he was racing up and down the, the line in that game where uh, we talked about um, the tension that was involved after the Swiss defeat and I asked him why were you so crazy in your runs and overlapping and shooting well I, I promised a girlfriend I'd score and you know I want to get a goal well that desire to score has mutated I, I don't think it's any more so whimsical. He wants to score because he knows he can. He plays for a coach who <clears throat> had to kind of persuade Madrid, I want to be considered as a goal-scoring midfielder. And I think Yero in one season scored 21 times for Real Madrid. 
He was, for a very long time, when I started to get really interested in Spanish football, Spain's second top international scorer. Before Morientes overtook him and before Raul was overtaken by Villa, you know, Hierro's record was something that, not for the first time in their comparisons, would be evocative of the way that Ramos plays. I think, one, I think that Ramos believes he will add goals when Spain are in extremis. Um, Piquet, I think, is is slightly different in that Piquet just feels he's a natural-born goal scorer, always wants to score, and in life likes to have risk, uh, likes to accept risk, and, and will take the consequences too. I think we've often spoken about that side of his personality in the podcast, and I've written about it too. So, you know, if I were the gambling type, which I'm not, I, I would probably be, you know, punting you know, a fiver or a tenner, on both PK and Ramos scoring during this World Cup. But it will certainly be Ramos's intention that as a captain, as a proven goal scorer who's got, I don't know what, five goals across Champions League semifinals and finals, which ain't a bad record, I would imagine he'll be thinking, a time will come where my goal is necessary. And therefore, yeah, I, I back your idea that this is a tournament where you know, we might be seeing the last of both of those men um, as as Spain internationals, certainly at World Cup, um, and and maybe in tournaments. And therefore, yeah, you know, get your get your pocket money on on Piquet and Ramos to each score during this tournament. Okay, finally, you've touched on the longevity of this partnership there. Piquet, I think, is due to win cap one hundred in the round of sixteen if Spain make it. Uh, Ramos at the moment, second only to Ike Casillas. You have to think that he's going to end his career as number one. How far on do you think they, they can play? Do you think Ramos, is there any chance that Ramos would stop before he surpassed his old teammate? No, I, I, Sergio Ramos has, has talked about his appetite to continue playing. And it's my feeling that the likelihood is that if this is a successful campaign, i.e. viewed as successful, they don't have to win it. But if it's viewed as a successful campaign and he enjoys himself, I think that there is a, a, a pretty reasonable chance that he, he wants to continue playing. I certainly believe he thinks he's physically and in football terms capable of doing so. But you never know. Equally, if, he, if, if Yero stays and, and, and Ramos enjoys playing for his, his hero, then there you've got another argument for the maybes. Um, Sergio Ramos does like collecting records, and I think that um, I'd predominantly think that the likelihood is that he, he doesn't want to retire internationally at the same time as Piquet does that. Piquet, on the other hand, once he said, I'm going to do something um, as firmly as he has and, and takes a decision, I really don't expect um, Gerard Piquet to change his mind that whatever Spain's last game at this World Cup it uh, turns out to be that that is his last international. OK, that's it for another show. We do hope you're enjoying these World Cup specials. If you are, I have but one request for you today. Tell someone you think would enjoy the podcast about the podcast. Download it onto their phone if you have to. Until tomorrow, when we'll preview Spain versus Iran. Graham Hunter, thank you. And dos for Daniel. Hasta luego. I really hope you're enjoying these World Cup shows. We've got huge plans for next season. But we do need your help to make them happen. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, a member, to join us. 
to support us. You'll get an extra big interview every month, plus lots of other bonus content. Last season, our members got nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Dini, and Roberto Di Matteo. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Do it now, please. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Acast anbefaler. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skide af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakker. 